0: Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome to episode 68 of Growth Marketing Today. I'm your host, Ramley John, and I'm here on a mission to help marketers and founders like you sharpen their marketing skills by talking to some of today's top experts. Today I have Xenia Montian, she is the co-founder and CEO of Planable, a tool that helps brands and agencies better manage their social media content. Today she talks about her latest book, The Manifesto on Content and Marketing Teams. In this episode, she's going to share ideas on improving productivity within content marketing teams Making collaboration more inspiring and presenting content ideas to clients with greater impact. Xenia is on a mission to help build the future of marketing teamworks. In episode 68, you'll learn first, why marketing teams lack clarity, coordination, and efficiency, and how to fix it. Second, the biggest mistake Xenia made when starting and scaling Plannable. And third, how marketing teams can tie content and social media marketing to business results. Before we jump in, I just want to thank those who made this episode possible. This folks helped cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools that I use so that I can focus on getting amazing experts that you and I can learn from. I want to thank the sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. They are a demand generation and ops agency. You can check them out at 42.agency forward slash GMT. That's F-O-U-R-T-Y-T-W-O.Agency forward slash GMT. Also want to thank my Patreon supporters, they get an ad free version of this podcast and a lot of other cool perks. Thank you to my early adopter patrons, Jamie Walsh from Las Vegas, Veronica from London UK, Fabrizio Marcias from Brazil, Nicholas Vargas from Sydney, Sam Grover from New Zealand, Joseph Valenti from Quebec, Louis Nichols from Switzerland, and Anwar from Canada. And if you want an ad free version of this podcast, you can get it at patreon.com forward slash Grow Today or you can find the link in the description. Enough about me, let's jump in in my chat with Xenia. Everybody, I'm excited to have Xenia here to talk about what she's working on with Planable and also about her ebook, The Manifesto on Content Marketing Teams. How's it going?
1: Yeah, it's going well. Thank you so much for uh, inviting us, for inviting me on the on the show.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited that your Director of Marketing reached out, Maruna. Yeah. Where are you calling from th- th- today?
1: Yeah. So calling from uh, Eastern Europe, Bucharest, more specifically. So I bet uh, this is your uh, first uh, podcast with someone from, from Romania, from Eastern Europe.
0: (laughs) It is, I've only had a few folks from Europe, but you, you are definitely the first one from Romania. So I'm really excited to have like a more national guest on my list. Well let's talk about Planable. Can you share a bit about how you co-founded Planable? You're the CEO of Planable right now, and so how how did that come about?
1: Yeah, definitely. So before Planable, I had a social media marketing agency. I started it during my second year of university and I was really, you know, obsessed about advertising world since since I was a teenager, I think, you know, I was reading everything about the world of advertising and marketing. So obviously, you know, when I was in university, I started doing some work on social media marketing, and eventually I opened up my own shop. I opened up, you know, my my first real venture, my first real business, and that was my social media marketing agency. And during my work in the agency, working with clients on content, I realized, you know, how hard and challenging and frustrating is the work behind content marketing behind social media as well Uh, you know we were working in spreadsheets and powerpoints and we were spending so much time you know on email so i felt like the entire process you know was very you know very fragmented and very broken and i felt like we as an industry of content marketers could do better. We could organize and structure our work in so many better ways. Uh, so that's kind of how Planable got started. You know, out of my own um, frustration and out of my own uh, issues at work, I figured out that you know there could definitely be a better way to do it, a better solution. Uh, so together with my co-founders, we we started Planable to do just that.
0: Interesting. I'm really curious if owning a digital agency actually helped you start Planable because I've, I've talked to another consultant before he started a company that got into YC, he yeah. was a consultant before then. So did having an agency help you find the problem that you wanted to solve and ended up starting Panable?
1: 100%. I think and not necessarily the agency, like in my own case, yes, definitely the agency was the best experience to set the foundation for what Plannable is today. But as an entrepreneur, I think it's crucial to, you know, work somewhere or start you know some kind of business you know work either for an enterprise or for someone else or just have some experiments of other other types of businesses not necessarily technology startups because that's where you learn about different industries and about different challenges and about different problems people have and especially if you want to start something in B2B uh, you know it's crucial to have that experience to see you know what are the challenges people have because then you solve you know real world you know life 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 and work problems um, and not just you know imagine and invent you know new problems you can actually experience them and you were in you know the shoes of your own uh, users so for us here at Planable yeah i think it was incredibly useful that i you know went through the experience and i know what our users are looking for and what challenges they have because I was, you know, an ideal user of Planable um, a few years ago.
0: Interesting. That totally makes sense. And I read somewhere that you also got into Draper University, right? Is that correct? Yes. Like that's that. Yeah. If people are not familiar, Tim Draper is one of the biggest VCs. He started the VC industry essentially in Silicon Valley. How did that come about? Like, how did that? How did you get into that education thing that he started?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I met him at the conference in Europe. Uh, He was actually in the jury uh, of a startup competition where we participated with Planable. So we were pitching Planable in that competition, and he was, you know, one of the judges. Uh, So he really liked what we were doing. He really, really liked the team. So he, you know, invited me to join. His program, which was such an exciting time, uh, such an exciting, you know, uh, program, they had like, you know, a dozen of other entrepreneurs from all across the world that were doing, you know, very, very interesting stuff. And, you know, it was in Silicon Valley. So it was, you know, just a great opportunity to learn more about the startup world and to connect, you know, with other bright, you know, founders. So I think that that was, you know, a big milestone for me as well.
0: What was, what was some of the greatest learnings being part of that program? Was there any like particular story or memory that actually sticks out for you?
1: Yeah, so I think something that, you know, I, I, I really remember one of the lessons that I really remember was, you know, about failure and getting comfortable with failure. I think that's, you know, extremely important in the startup life. You need to be very comfortable with the idea of failure. So I think they tried they tried, you know, to to teach us that and to make us, you know, feel more comfortable with the idea that what we're building might not work out in the end. And that, you know, everything is going to be okay, no matter, you know, if it works or not. So I think, you know, be comfortable with failure and don't be afraid of it as one of the big lessons that, you know, I can one hundred percent remember.
0: Speaking of which, is there anything that you've done with Panable that you feel like didn't work out, or is there anything in the past where <laughs> like, oh, that was a failure?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I felt I felt like a failure a lot of times, you know, especially very early at the beginning uh, when you're not sure if things are going to work out, and you're experimenting with so many things, um, and it, it definitely happened. I think you know. One of the most painful moments was when we initially, uh, you know, launched the product out of beta into, you know, into we launched our, the first time we launched our pricing plan. So we started monetizing the product and it's, it didn't took off as we expected, unfortunately, at that point in time. And it definitely felt like a failure for, you know, for a moment there because, you know, we've worked on the product for a year and a half until we launched it. And it just felt like we've done all that work and all those hopes and all those, you know, all, all that, you know, just effort, sweat and tears that we've put into into planable into our work. And eventually, you know, we're launching it and you know, we've had great feedback in the beta, but then we launched, you know, the pricing plans and, you know, basically no one buys. <laughs> So it was it was excruciating and terrifying, and it definitely felt like a failure moment. But we bounced back.
0: Have you figured that out then? The pricing, like what what was it before, and like what is it? Like I'm on your website right now, and your starter plan is thirty nine dollars. So I'm guessing you've kind of you figure out what works. Like what 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 was the thing that didn't work, and what is the thing that worked?
1: It was too cheap.
0: <laughs> oh, interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, too cheap. Wow. Is, yeah, too cheap is a problem sometimes. But I don't think that was actually the solution. That was not the solution actually at that point. I then we figured this out a ton with pricing that were you know undervaluing our product. But initially, initially, I think the problem was not necessarily with the pricing plans. The structure was okay. We, we were just not marketing it right. We were not marketing. We were not you know reaching out the right people, or we were just not reaching enough people um, as well. So we figured out marketing and then in parallel with that, we started figuring out pricing and, you know, iterating on the pricing and we're probably going to iterate on on pricing more and more, you know, pricing is not something you uh, set and forget, you know, you always iterate on it.
0: That's, uh, I keep saying interesting, but that is really fascinating (laughs) that you, you know, a lot of people, when they put the pricing a lot of the advice I've gotten is you should charge more. <laughs> yeah. So what, what were you, what, what were you charging before? Like, was it $9 was yeah. it like,
1: yeah, it was like nine, something like $9. Initially we were just, you know, we wanted people to pay us like anything, you know, we didn't care. We just wanted to see that people will, will pay us something that, you know, they will show that they value the product. So how much money we made, that was not that important. We just wanted to have it paying customers. So that we can you know prove that what we built is is necessary to people uh, and then you know once it started getting some traction we started to you know seriously think about pricing
0: there was also one other thing that you said that you weren't targeting the right kind of people who yeah. were you targeting before and like who are you targeting now
1: so I think in the beginning we were just putting the product everywhere we could and we we were not thinking about targeting in general right we were just you know trying to put it anywhere we could uh, so the issue was that we were actually not targeting, not thinking about you know building a brand, not thinking about building you know a reputation, a specific profile. We were not really building content at that time. You know, we only had like a few articles on our blog, and we were not thinking long term as well. You know, content and SEO and just you know social. It takes a lot of time. It's a long term game. You know, you can't expect results. Uh, you know, in the next. Few weeks, you know, you start writing content or you start optimizing your, you know, search rankings. You can't expect results fast. But we were back then. We were in, at a point where we needed results fast, and so we were trying to do, you know, quick things. You know, some something that will work fast. And that's just not how marketing works. And I think we realized that, and that's, you know, what changed, you know, our strategy changed from like short-term thing to like a really long-term thing.
0: I wanna talk about the ebook that you just put together, the manifesto on content marketing teams. How did, how did that come about? Like where, where was the genesis of that ebook and who, who is it targeting for?
1: Yeah, definitely. So it, it it's, it's for every content marketing team out there. That wants to improve the way they work for everyone who feels a bit frustrated with the way things are organized with their, you know, with their team. That feels like they're spending way too much time in like formatting spreadsheets and you know building decks and sending emails back and forth. You know, for every content marketing team out there, that team that, that feels you know that they could do a bit better in the way you know they work today um, and. We started the ebook because you know I had so many podcasts and interviews on the subject on you know how should teams work today on content marketing and I had you know a few principles and a few you know concepts in my mind around that subject that I was exploring quite often in different podcasts interviews and keynotes so I finally managed to put them in writing. <laughs> Uh, together with you know the help of our uh, head of marketing Mirona, so we finally managed to put that in writing, and uh, that's kind of how the manifesto on content marketing marketing teams uh, was born. You know, just out of all those uh, ideas that I was already talking about.
0: And you did mention this. This is how content teams should be working. How how should content teams be working? Like versus what? How they're working right now.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, there's three principles that I have in mind every time when I'm thinking about like a good working with team, like an efficient team, you know, every time that I'm thinking about a team that has a workflow that actually works, I'm thinking about the three principles. The first one is um, clarity, you know, clarity is such an important thing in a team because, you know, as a team, you need to be aware of everything that's happening in terms of work, uh, you know, across all your other team members, you know, you, know, you need to see the team efforts. Uh, it's also very important to have clarity in the work you have. You know, it's, it's important to be able to visualize the assets and the work, to be able to have very easy access to information. Everything needs to be structured and well organized with the content that you're producing. And then the second principle I think is, is, is coordination and coordination is, you know, about how well your team is aligned, uh, how well, you know, everyone is collaborating, coordination is, you know, the, basically the ability to use, uh, you know, to use different team members, uh, so that the entire team works together smoothly and efficiently. And the third one is actually, you know, efficiency productivity, which is Such a big buzzword, but there you know, no other better word actually for this than, you know, efficiency and that's doing the most with the least, you know, doing the most with what you have, saving time, you know, cutting out on tedious tasks, you know, enabling automation inside your team, just being very, very nimble and very mindful with your time. So I think those three principles, clarity, coordination, and efficiency are what you need to Keep in mind, whenever you're building a team or whenever you're uh, trying to restructure or improve your team.
0: So you saying that three principles, is that a big problem in the industry, Then, like lack of clarity, lack of coordination and, and efficiency?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at so many reports, you're going to see, you know, this huge problem of productivity and in, in general, in the work world and the professional knowledge workers. Uh, but in our marketing industry, I think this problem is even more acute because, you know, content, the demand of content in the market is, has become so big, you know, but the teams didn't, didn't change the ways they were working. It's the same, you know, the same way of working. And they can't keep up with this new demand of content from consumers. They can't keep up you know, with producing more work because of the bottlenecks that they have you know, in their processes and operations. So if you look you know, at so many reports, you're going to see that, you know, like one report is saying that about two and a half hours are being spent, you know, in enterprises on just, you know, looking for information, finding, for informa- finding information. Yeah, because teams are you know so isolated, marketers are so isolated, uh, and you you know you're just searching for, through folders, through emails, for feedback, for information, for you know for content. And if you do you know simple math, uh, it, you know all those hours add up to about you know twenty five million dollars per year for enterprises. Uh, so it's a lot of of time that is being wasted, and all that time you know adds up and translate into money. And the other thing is that it's a big problem because it also affects the, it also has a big impact on the happiness of everyone working on content of every, you know, marketer part of a team. Uh, Because, you know, we've done our own report on the processes behind content marketing and the the work behind content marketing. And we found out that, you know, only 7% of marketers are happy with their processes. Are like truly, truly happy with the way you know their processes are set up. Uh, so in the end, I think it's all about employee productivity, happiness, and performance. And just all, all of that translates in the end in, in just lost money and lost opportunities.
0: Wow, I, d- I didn't know all those stats. That's crazy.
1: <laughs> I hope I didn't scare everyone. <laughs>
0: No, 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 it's, it's it's enlightening. I'm curious, do companies just ignore it? Like if it's such a big problem, why are they still inefficient? Why do they still lack coordination and clarity?
1: Yeah, I don't think companies ignore that on purpose. Obviously, you know, most, you know, a lot of companies are aware about that and they're trying to make a change. Uh, but I think, especially in the beginning, if, you know, there's two sides of it. If you're a small company, you're just thinking about moving fast and just you know producing work producing content and putting it out there in the world like i remember myself you know very early on in the beginnings i didn't think you know about the processes i cared about the output you know i cared about the content we were producing and that's you know i didn't think about you know what should our structure be you know how should we communicate those were not the questions i was asking myself because those were not my priorities and maybe that's fine, you know. When you're very early on, you know, your priority is to shift things fast, and you don't bother that much about, you know, how what should your operations actually look like. But then you grow, and you know, your team starts to grow fast. You know, maybe if you're if you're lucky, your team starts to grow very fast, and uh, your projects on the marketing side start to grow very fast, and all those questions that you have not answered and all those processes that you you have not set up you know it kind of all accumulates and it creates this you know what i call operational depth so i talk about that in the book as well so it kind of it gets harder and harder to change that because you're growing and there's more people on it you know the way you were working in the beginning solidifies and gets validated the more people you you know join your team so it gets harder and harder And there's, you know, a period of time uh, of your life as a company where you can do things fast and you can change things fast. But then once you become, you know, like a big, huge enterprise, changing things are almost, you know, impossible, especially in the way people work. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, people don't, companies don't ignore that. It's just very hard to change that. You need to actually, you know, make a mission out of it. And there are definitely companies out there that are making a mission out of, you know, enabling productivity and, you know, just building better operations inside their marketing team.
0: That kind of brings up this idea that I have that I think the problem with a lot of companies, and you talked about it, is that they're always there's this mentality of getting getting shit done as quickly as possible. Yeah. And that comes with content too. It's like let's let's just push the content out there as quickly as possible and they don't think about the process like what you said until after something kind of blows up in their face.
1: Right, yes, I 100% agree. You can, you can realize that something, you know, is not working in your team by looking, you know, at <laughs> a few symptoms, right? So if you find yourself like drowning in never-ending, you know, email threads, you might, you know, realize that, okay, something's wrong, you know, it shouldn't happen. Or if you find yourself, you know, pushing, uh, you know, finding content live, like tweets or social media posts or blog articles that shouldn't have been live. You know, they might have mistakes or they might not even you know, be aligned with your strategy or, or your, you know, with your content pillars. You know, just mistakes, mistakes that end up being live. Or if you find, you know, yourself looking at your brand all over online and realize that it's not very consistent. Uh, you know, that you're kind of sending, you know, different messages, confusing messages that do not align with the overall brand and the strategy. That's because, you know, you don't have proper processes. That's because not, you know, you don't have clarity over what happens. You know, people are producing work, but they're not aligned with everyone else who's producing work. You know, if you find yourself just going back and forth so many times, you know, on some specific content and it never gets finished, that's again, because people do not you know, understand what needs to be done. There is no proper feedback process, you know, little communications. And just, you know, if you find yourself just wasting times, you know, tedious tasks and things that should signal uh, that something is probably not working properly, that something might be wrong and that you should, you know, seriously uh, look into that.
0: When we come back in just a moment, Xenia shares how you can fix and avoid the three problems that plague most marketing teams, the lack of clarity, coordination, and efficiency. Just a quick thanks to our sponsor for this episode 42 agency. I've known the founder of that agency for some time now, Camille Rexton, and I can tell you that he actually knows what he's doing and how he can help B2B SaaS businesses create a revenue pipeline. Uh, There's a lot of people out there that has a lot of talk, but they don't actually implement things and can implement and bring the results. Camille is that kind of person that can streamline your operation, implement new tech stack, design ABM and demand generation strategies. And like I said, they can help you create a predictable revenue pipeline. They've worked with some amazing companies like Onfleet, Hubdoc, Guestlogix, Flexday and more can book a free road mapping session at 42.agency forward slash gmt that's f-o-u-r-t-w-o.agency forward slash gmt and you can find the link in the description i also want to thank my patreon supporters if you don't like ads like this you can support me for as little as two dollars per episode for an ad-free version of this podcast you'll get some amazing perks that's knowing who my guests are in advance be part of our private Slack group and have monthly video calls with me, you can go to patreon.com forward slash growth today to help with the cost to maintain and growing this podcast. You can find that link in the description as well. Now about this, let's jump back into my chat with Xinya. Those are great symptoms that you've talked about. Like these are things that because of this, you probably have this, something you call content paralysis in the book once a company realizes that what do you suggest they do and they go oh, i i know there's a problem well what what's the next step to fixing that
1: yeah that's a that's a very good question i've talked about that a little bit in the book but honestly you know the first step is always about auditing your your workflow so in order to find a solution you need to pinpoint the problem so you need to take a very hard look at your processes and the way you're working as a team, so you basically kind of of need to map everything, you know, what happens in different stages of content production, uh, you know, how how communication happens, the approval process, feedback, you know, who who needs to be involved at different stages. So you need to look into your team structure, your team members, the way people are collaborating, uh, the infrastructure, like the tools you're using, the systems you have, uh, you know, the stakeholders. So you need to map everything that touches your content production and you need to have a clear understanding of, you know, of, of those processes and of those, you know, the type of communication you have. So once you have like this clear map of your situation, you have to identify where are the bottlenecks? Where does, where do you feel like work is stopping? Where do you feel like work is taking way too much than it should? Where do you feel like there is just a block, you know, like what's the issue? Um, and those first steps are kind of like acknowledging that you have a problem and realizing the causes, pinpointing the causes of that problem. So once you, I, I think that's the hardest part of the entire you know, action plan. That's, that's really the hardest part, realizing what's stopping you from moving fast uh, on your content production. And then, you know, once you realize what exactly is the problem, you know, maybe approval is taking too long because... You know, you don't have the right approvers in place. Uh, Maybe the tools you're using are just, you know, keeping slowing you down. Once you realize what your problem is, then the solution comes very naturally. Uh, But, you know, once you design that solution, you just need to keep in mind all those three principles, clarity, efficiency and coordination whenever you're designing the solution. Uh, but I think, you know, the hardest part is really figuring out what's the problem and the cause of it.
0: If somebody had to do it again, like, let's say start from scratch, how should they set up their team or their processes at the beginning to avoid that content par- paralysis?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So I think, I think they should, first thing is that they shouldn't postpone too much. i thinking about processes and workflow, like I and specifically too much. Because I can totally resonate with, you know, you're a small team and you need to move fast. You don't have time, you know, to think about processes. I can resonate with that. I've been there. And, you know, I agree that it's kind of like a sacrifice you need to make early on. But don't postpone too much. You know, as boring as it might sound, it's very crucial to start, you know, documenting your processes. Like, what are you doing, you know, when you're researching content? What are you doing in that phase? What are you doing, you know, when... You're actually producing content. Where do you get your inspiration? How can you stay productive? Who do you need to get involved in the process? Who do you need to ask for feedback? Who do you need to ask for approvals? Uh, you know, you know, think about what happens when pro- you know when you promote content. What what happens when you launch the content? Who needs to get involved and start documenting all those things very early on. Even, even if you do not have time to actually build a proper process, just start, you know, putting everything in, in writing so that you can set up operations later on. Because um, as, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the more you postpone it, the more operational depth you start accumulating. But in terms of actual structure, you know, there's just so many structures uh, that you can have with your team. And I think, you know, it, it kind of builds up organically based on who you have in your team. And, you know, there's different ways people can work, but in the end, you just need to ensure that you're making it as seamless as possible and as, as open and as collaborative as possible as well.
0: One of the places where ineffic- inefficiency can happen is between the, the communication and coordination between brands and agencies. Yeah. And you yeah, did yeah. have like a section about that. How, how should brands and agencies work together?
1: yeah that's a really really good question and i've been there i've been in you know i've been in the agency shoes so i know it's it's very tough Uh, and you know with this industry today the entire agency industry is changing so the way agencies and brands are working together is, is changing as well so i think you know this problem of Proper collaboration between agencies and and brands is even more important in this case, because if you do not have, you know, efficient communication and feedback is not streamlined, you know, the content quality will suffer a lot. Uh, And then, you know, PR crises can happen as well, just because of all the miscommunications between the brands and the agencies. There's also, you know, lost opportunities due to this entire, you know, lack of time and the entire, you know, lag of time between the agencies and the brands, because there's, you know, there is a bit of distance between the agencies and the brands. Um, So you need to be able to move fast together, the agencies and the brands, because if you don't move fast, you're going to lose a lot of opportunities. And in the end, you know, it's a big risk because, you know, if you do not have the brands and the agencies very aligned, if you do not have, you know, them communicating very well, one with another, you might have, you know, very uh, damaged relationships and basically a lot of dissatisfaction in the end. Uh, so I think as an agency, you need to think there's no way to postpone this. Like internally, you might be able to say, okay, we'll think about that later on. But as an agency, that's kind of, you need, that's default. You need to think about how are you gonna operate with the brands on every type of project you have with them. Uh, with your clients. So I think that's mandatory for the agencies.
0: Well, you're almost creating like a service level agreement between each <laughs> other and like really creating, uh, ironing out that process between right, the right, two of you.
1: Right. So yeah, that's kind of like a service service level agreement, but like for communication and operations. So this is, yes, yeah, so this is how we're going to work. This is our, this are the tools we're going to use, you know, this is what you need to do at every step, you know, of the process of the project, uh, you know, basically outlining. You know what needs to be done and how is everything going to be done during every step of the of the of the project and every step of the content production so that's
0: a good analogy <laughs> i want to talk about social media one of the things that maruna suggested i asked is how teams can align social media with business results that's a really good question because often people just think about social media as something you just post up but how can people align social media with uh, actual results for the business?
1: Yeah, that's actually a very, very, uh, very good question. So, you know, obviously every business has its its goals and its objectives and its key results and, you know, their strategy either annually or, you know, quarterly. So that's, that's usually, you know, in place. But the alignment, you know, on the work that is being done on social media marketing with those business results is, is harder. And I think the key here is transparency. Everyone should have access to the business results and to the goals, because obviously, you know, if not everyone has, you know, real-time access to the business results, to like revenue numbers, customer numbers, if you don't have that access, there's no way you can actually tie your own work results to the business results, right? So you need to be able to see, you know, in real time how your work is impacting uh, the business results, and that's the m- the biggest incentive for teams to align, uh, you know, their social media work with the business results. And if you want, you know, everyone to pull in the same direction, you need to have this like complete alignment in your team where everyone understands, uh, you know, where everyone has, you know, the objective objectives made crystal clear. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the first thing you you need to make sure that there's transparency in the team everyone has access to the business results the business metrics and everyone understands what are the objectives the business is trying to what's the mission what's the vision you're trying to uh to achieve and then you know i think that's the biggest incentives uh for people to align the social media work with with the results of the business
0: i have a few more questions i'm curious what your one piece of advice is to founders who want to start a company like you did
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so I think the first thing is, it kind of goes back to my, my own story, to my own origins uh, for planable. It's, you know, never you never settle with your current situation, kind of like always question. So when I started my agency, I looked at how other agencies And the industry work on social media marketing and I understood, you know, okay, they plan editorial content calendars and like a spreadsheet and they send, you know, maybe PowerPoints from time to time to showcase their work and everything happens in email and then all the files are being stored somewhere else. So I could have just settled with that current situation. I could have just accepted that. But I think, you know, my one advice would be to always challenge what's given to you to always, you know, questions, what's question what's in front of you. And, you know, if you do that, you're going to find a problem to solve, a problem that you're going to be excited. It's kind of like the the short <laughs> uh, the short uh, advice would be, just be a rebel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that, that always helps in entrepreneurship.
0: <laughs> that totally makes sense. I've experienced that myself. And one more thing, what is your one piece of advice to marketers uh, who may be content marketer or, you know, somebody in social media?
1: Yes, that's a good question. So I think marketers should be, you know, entrepreneurial nowadays. So the same kind of the same advice would apply to them. Uh, So definitely the same advice would apply to them. And I would also tie it uh, to your um, question about business results. You know, some companies might not create that transparency by themselves. Well, I would suggest to fight for it, you know, to fight for that kind of transparency internally. Uh, Because it's just so much joy to see how your work is actually helping the business move forward. So yeah, be be a rebel as well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to use that, be a red, you said red bull, like be very, I guess, I wouldn't say aggressive, but really like looking out for problems and going for it. Right.
1: Definitely. yes.
0: Another question I just started recently asking, and I got this from a, a podcast I listened to, is how much of your success so far and where you're at right now is from luck or based on your your skills and hard work.
1: Well, that's that's a very tough question. I think there's always a big percentage of of luck in in what in what you do. You know, especially once you look backwards, especially you know when you start connecting the dots. Looking backwards, you you know you try you, you start realizing how many times you were in the right uh, place at the right time. Uh, so th- there's definitely a big percentage of, of luck. It would be hard to estimate, uh, but I think in the end it's it's you know you can create your own luck uh, if you're ambitious, if you're driven, if you want that to happen, that you know very very much, you will be able to create you know, that luck eventually, maybe, you know, if I wouldn't haven't had that luck, uh, I wouldn't have created planable, but maybe I would have created something else, you know, at some point it would have, it would have happened because of what I want to do with my life, because of my skills, because of who I am, it would have happened eventually, maybe not exactly the same, uh, you know, situation. But even if I wouldn't have had the luck, I would still, you know, create a business. Uh, and you know maybe it would have been you know successful even even if I didn't have you know the amount of luck I had with Planable.
0: That's good. Well, that pretty much wraps it up. One last question: Where can people find you or Planable online?
1: Yeah, uh, sure. So Planable, you can find us you know directly on our website, planable.io, planable.io. Um, and myself, I spent quite a lot of my time on LinkedIn. So just uh, send a connection request and uh, we can chat
0: there awesome well thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it
1: thank you so much as well
0: well that was it for this episode i just want to share with you my three key takeaways first determination is the key predictor of startup success that's actually a quote from paul graham he is the founder of y combinator that's one of the things that xenia learned at draper university early on in the startup slide you're going to be experimenting with so many things that might not work out. You just gotta pick yourself up and try again. Second, don't underprice yourself or your product. When Xenia launched Planable, she priced it low in hopes that people would just pay for it. Uh, She priced it at $9 per month, but they really started to get traction when they raised their prices. It's because price conveys the quality of your product or service, If you price low, people's perception is that the product that you offer will be low quality. And third, get your processes and workflow in place. I think all too often, we just want to get stuff done as quickly as possible. As marketers and founders, we should, yes, we should be biased to action. But at the same time, the sooner you can get processes and workflows in place, the quicker you can go to outsourcing or automating tasks so you can focus on more important things. Now, did I miss something? Share with me your takeaways from this episode on Twitter at Ramley John or email me, Ramly at growthtoday.fm. And before I end this episode, I just wanna thank those who made this episode possible. These folks help cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can really focus on getting amazing experts that you and I can learn from. I wanna thank the sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. They are a demand generation and ops agency. You can check them out at GMT. that's fourtw GMT, or you can find that link in the description also want to thank my patreon supporters they get an ad-free version of this podcast jamie ward from las vegas veronica from london rizzo marces from brazil nicholas vargas from sydney sam grover from new zealand joseph valenti from quebec canada lewis nichols from switzerland anwar from canada and please also support me if you've been listening in on a few episodes now there's three easy ways you can do it first share a quote on twitter or linkedin Second, you can join the Growth Today mailing list. You can find that at growtoday.fm. Or third, you can support me on Patreon for as little as $2 per episode for exclusive content and access. With your support, I can pay for my hosting fees and marketing tools and continue to find amazing experts that you and I can learn from. Anyway, that's it for this episode. Until next time, as always, keep on growing.